Uh, yo, another episode of Views from the Box. Sorry for the late episode this weekend. Certain man went, went to go carnival, fam. <laughs> it's bank holiday, bro. It's bank holiday. You have to enjoy. You have to shake a leg, man. Right, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, but anyway, you managed to catch any of the fixtures on Saturday? On Saturday, nah, yeah, of course. I watched the Arsenal game and I was watching it with a smile on my face because I had a couple of people around and they were all supporting Arsenal. And, bro, you, what do you think about that game? You know, yeah. Like, nah. I have my nah, distinct opinion of it. Now, for me, that game it was just about lapses in concentration. Fulham got two goals from less than an XG fan. Less than one XG got two goals, fam. How stupid that is, fam. I think it's stupid, but I don't think, for me, it's not even the goals that Fulham scored. It was the fact that in the first half, Fulham had about four to five moments in transition where they looked like they were going to score. And in one half, that's too much. And that just came from your players making, I can't even call it uncharacteristic mistakes because it's a so, pattern. So it's a pattern that I'm seeing with these players. And that's worrying. For me, it was worrying that was happening this early in the season. Well, to be fair, not really, because last season you started like a train and that's unrealistic to start like that again. But it's a pattern. And yes, you're a good team. Yes, you're going to beat most teams. But if that pattern continues, you're going to drop a lot more points than, you, than you'd think. Like the- How do you even remedy that? You can you can tell everyone not to be idiots, you can plan all you like, but nothing can prepare you for Saka playing the perfect football for Andres Pereira in the first minute, fam. Right? Well, you can see in the first minute, yeah, the whole game state has changed, fam. To be fair, he was like, the poor pass from Saka, but I think Ramsdale, I don't know what he was doing, he was in no man's land. Oh, yeah, also, Ramsdale's mistake was, yeah, just stand up Pereira, fam. Pereira ain't world class, fam. Stand him up. And trust that your defenders are going to cover the goal line, bro. And Pereira will probably panic here, keep on dribbling, and the chance is gone. Ramsdale made Pereira's decision for him, fam, by turning his back on him. Like, I don't know what the hell it was that for him. Like, the goalkeeping coaches here, maybe I'm wrong here, but... Good finish. Like, it was a finish here, but... Good finish. He even he, he missed it. So, uh, what I'm thinking is, like, don't turn your back on the attacker, fam. The distance between um, Ramsdale and the goal, it was pretty short anyway. Just stand your ground. Obviously, you want to pedal back here, but pedal back here, facing Pereira. So that like he's thinking, oh shit, okay, well, what, what do I do? But you turn away from him, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, he doesn't work where, where, where I am. Let me just pick a corner. That that pissed me off massively. That was the second goal. Saka lost his man. Saka was meant to be tracking Palina for him. I was like, I was thinking, like, why is Palina running past Rice? Now, saw the replay, Rice had his man or his zone, and Saka was nowhere to be seen, bro. So, like, I think that goal was poor, but it also came from Zinchenko giving the. I don't know, Zinchenko again. Is he here? No, he was uncharacteristic. It's because. Uh, fam, now I see why these ones were riding Manchester City, fam. Because there's a it's reason. They're down to 10 men. Full them are down to 10 men. We're in the ascendancy. But would this guy choose to dribble two yards further instead of just playing a simple pass? Like, what the fuck are you doing? That, he's done it before as well, you know. Like, away, away, to, away to Wolves last season. Um, he's done like multiple games. Like, what does Atessa do to stop these guys from being idiots on the ball, fam? Because you got stupid ass ones talking about, oh, it's the system's fault. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? I'm sorry, yeah. We created enough chances to win that game comfortably. But Fulham scored two goals out of nothing because we were crap on the ball. At I, think, I think you created enough chances to win that game comfortably after you scored, after the penalty. I think before the penalty, I don't think you had a clear cut chance where you said that should have been a goal. Hey, even the first half, Havertz and Saka had two chances that should have been at least on target. 
Harvard should have anticipated and look, I don't know what Arteta's plan is for Kai Havertz, but you need to tell me because this first three games, yeah, he's the first two he's been all right, but yeah, yeah, was his worst game in our shirt, bro. No, no it's my dear, lad. I said in the summer, I was like, I don't like this signing, it's just unnecessary with Halifax. It may work here, but to get to that point, yeah. It's going to take a. It's going to be a lot of problems, um, but it's not worth it. Because sixty-five more for a luxury player is like, seriously, if it's going to be a luxury player. Yes, we come in as a finished product, um, and he him like a project. And I didn't like the sign from day one, but it seems like his plan is to play have as this fox, false second striker slash CM. Uh, it's just if it bangs, it bangs, but it has to bang because I'm sorry, yeah, this was after the signing. He went to Edu and the and the and and and, and Tim Lewis for and Garlic for this signing, so. If it flops, it's between them four fam. He has to answer to Edu. He has to answer to Tim Lewis. He has to answer to Garlic because Arteta requested Havertz. And even the the even the at club level, yeah, executive level, they're like, are you sure? This is a bit. We all know we've seen Havertz for the past two years, yeah. He can't hold down a position. He has confidence issues, and he seems to have stagnated in, in terms of his progress. So this Havertz signing, we're, we're, so, we're so lucky that we have ESR and Fabio Vieira that we don't have so we don't have to start Havertz every game, bro. So we have that luxury now. Unlike the women sang William yeah, when Sapo was breaking through and Pepe was still shit. So the upside is Havertz does not does not even have to start games anymore. It's it's a it's a good upside and I think his position in the starting lineup for the game against United has to come into question because the thing that shocked me yesterday was like you said, he was wanting to be like this false nine second tracker CM, but you would expect with that type of player that he's creative, he actually doesn't provide any creativity to Arsenal and what yesterday showed me, and you actually made a good point out of it, in terms of creativity, for me on that pitch yesterday, there was only three people trying to create something, Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard. And yeah. that number has to increase if you have games like this. Because, because, because we also feel when you came on, it was up for it, caving intensity, getting on the ball, combining with Martinelli, direct, combining with like that, It's either you're direct or you do good passes penetrative passes and he was doing both. You saw for the penalty direct and then you saw for the um the second goal what a, what a pass in Ketia. So it's good like you said you have strength and depth and I think that's where Arsenal are gonna do well this season. You have a lot of depth. You've seen this season already we already played three left backs because yeah, yeah. Uh, injury red carded and now Zinchenko uh, also one thing I'll caveat by saying is um we have a lot of depth we have a lot of the same profiles. Vieira, ESR, Havertz are all final third players. We, we, we just, we just blessed here that Odegaard managed to add both phases into his game. Whereby when he first signed, he was exclusive attacking midfielder, but now he can now drop deep and you know dictate play, get on the ball, drive the team forward. Odegaard and and, and Zinchenko and probably Partey are only three ball handlers away from the final third. Also, we have depth here, but it's unbalanced. Because ESR, Vieira, and Havertz offer different things in the final third, but they're final third players. In the, in the long run, we should look for an actual playmaker, and that should have been the move here instead of Havertz. But now we have Havertz now, so now it means here we have to pick between ESR and Vieira moving forward, because there will come a time here whereby we need an actual central midfielder to complement Odegaard, Rice, Partey, and so forth, because Zinchenko can't stay fit. Timbo's our trunk card in terms of inverting from, a, from the right or left, having a second option, but he's out too much at least. So it's for the spanner in the works. 
It's a big spanner, but look, it's it's only game week three. At the end of the day, you got a point. You have what seven points from three games. It is what it is. Oh yeah, obviously. Uh, this we have, we have seven more games. To we have a block of ten games. We we at least six more wins, man. Like the only game I can handle dropping points in is Leeds Man City at home. If we're serious here, all our games need to be wins, man. Everton, W, Man U at home, W, Spurs at home, W, um, Chelsea away, W, Sheffield United at home, W. Like there's no excuses, man. Next seven games should be six wins. We're going for the title here. Last last season we got nine wins out of our first ten. I'm happy you said that. Like last season, we got nine wins out of our first 10, 27 points, and the only defeat was against Man U. And we made finish the first half season on fifty points. Now City, yeah, they're not loaded up like last season, fam. They're straight into the thick of it. We can't afford it to fuck up our first ten games. The only team here in the last couple of seasons, yeah, whereby they've accumulated less than twenty five points in the first ten games and still won the league is City because these men just not have to turn it on the second half of the season. Now, if Arsenal go into the second half of the season, yeah, five points behind City, do you see City falling away because yeah. they average? Pep is averaging 47 points in the second half of the season. So essentially, if they finish the first half season on 50 points and we're five points behind, <laughs> they're winning the league because all, all, all they have to do is match our results and they can easily do that. So also, if Arsenal is six wins out of our next seven, I don't give a damn by hook or by crook. So you say, you, yeah, you say six out of your next seven, but let's focus on the next game, which is again... United as well, but that's with W. Because I'm sorry, if we leave this first 10 games with less than 25 points, these men can, can, can forget about the title fan because they're in the second half of the season. I'm, I'm talking 47 points minimum, which has been the average points accumulation for title winners. Nah, well, let's let's see. Let's see how it goes. But, but how do you think the game next week is going to go against United? Yeah. You saw the yeah, yeah, Obviously, like, for game against United, yeah, we can revert back to the old system. But, but instead of having Jacker in the box-to-box for it, it'll be Rice in it. And Rice also has offers his own interpretation of the box-to-box role. And we've got Zini back as well. Hopefully Zini can give us some um, 60, 70 minutes. And we've got Tom on the bench and Kivy on the bench too, as a rotation. But I expect Gabriel to start next week. So I think Gabriel needs to start. I think yeah, he should, should start because is it we will be playing a new system on we'll we'll be going back to the old system on next next Sunday. And if we don't, I think Ted is just trying to hang himself from that Harris should not be nowhere near that Sunday lineup. We're, we're back to what we played against against City in the community short. That should be the big game system. And how do you, how do you think United is gonna fare? Because they've had a proper poor start to the season. Yes, they won, but they scraped it after being two 0 down. Their game plan is gonna be obvious. Sit deep and try heels on the counter. They are gonna rely on us here being sloppy in possession and try heels on the counter like 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 they did in preseason. So what you to expect with so with Manchester United, Ten Hag came in as this possession based coach. Now he wants to be transition coach, and now he's a counter attacking coach. How do you think his job security is at the moment? And it's actually crazy we're saying this three games in, but it's the nature of the... I think it's fine because um, the article's coming out they've been offered a new contract. Say that again? Yeah, I, I, an article came out came out over the weekend saying that he's been offered a new contract. He's been offered a new contract? Wow. Yeah. Do you think Do you think he deserves that? Now, based on what his objectives were in the first season, he, he, he overperformed. So, in the eyes of the United board, they think he's a man. What do you think, you Nana? I think it's a part. Like, it's a part. Any United fan will tell you it's a part. And it's just funny because last season, United fans were singing his praises, saying, yeah, big clubs don't need rebuilds. You don't need to go three, four years to get back to the top. And now United fans are saying, oh, shit, um, we need this, we need that. And saying, oh, we need we need to give him a director of football. But the guy that he could have worked with, Ragnick, 
Ten Hag had him removed. So which one is it? So is Ten Hag even open to having a director of football because he didn't want to work with Ragnick? What, what was that about? He really should have worked with Ragnick because what Ragnick said was true. United need a major surgery. And yeah, he said eight to ten players. United fans last season were mocking Ragnick saying, oh, um, um, so-and-so said, oh, we need eight to ten new signings. Oh, he's chatting shit. And yeah. now United fans are saying, oh, we're not as good as we thought. We need this, we need that. So, hey, it's down to them to hold in it because last season they were, they were singing a whole different tune. Now, they definitely need to hold it. It's been a poor start to the season and I can't see it getting better. When I mean better, I don't think they're going to do better than what they did last season and that's a step back. But like you said, Ten Hag might have overachieved last season and this is what we expected United to do. But look, it's three games in and I think next week's game is going to be a very good game. Perfect way to end the first four games before the international break. But bro... Oh, I if that game is... Is 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 a is great from a neutral standpoint is because Arsenal have done something wrong, fam. That's that's what I'm gonna say. No, but I need it to be good for a neutral standpoint. But bro, do you know which game was good from a neutral standpoint and why I'm gassed? Liverpool, Newcastle, bro. Talk to me nice. Saudi hype, bro. Ten men winning away at St James's. Man, I'm gonna lie. Your, your Newcastle's biggest hair, you know. I plucked it. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm a big Newcastle hair. And this result, are. Uh, I'm just happy about Premier League results for a very long time. For a very, very long no, time. To be fair, if you watch the game here, yeah, what we've been saying about Newcastle for the past year, yeah, played out. They need a playmaker because first 20 minutes, yeah, when you guys were playing to Newcastle's hands and, and their rush football, yeah, was paying dividends. They got the goal, Van Dijk got sent off, people were feeling the worst for Liverpool, but you guys were smart. You just slowed the game down. And Newcastle did, did know what to do. And we dropped deep as well. Yeah. We but when you drop deep, Newcastle can't do nothing. Yeah, exactly. We dropped deep because when, like you said, we played them to our hands with the rush football. When we're pressing and they do those one-twos and they have players running in transition, that's what Newcastle wants to do. That's when Anthony Gordon, even done in the second half, he was um, finding Joy Tonali running into space, Joe Linton driving with the ball, um, Isak like, dragging the defenders out of position. That's what they wanted. But us dropping deep, there was no space for that. So like you said, they need a playmaker. Bruno was trying, but they need another person next to Bruno. No, no, Bruno's not a six. But, it's a bit, but the thing is, it's a bit peak because it's like with Liverpool as well, what we're saying last season, look at the profile of the midfielders that they have now and look at the profile of the midfielders that we're saying that they need to get. The system needs to change because with the rush football, Joe Linton and Tonali are brilliant. But if you get a playmaker that's similar to Bruno Guimaraes, he's not brilliant with driving with the ball. Yes, he can play those balls forward, but then you need your four other attackers to do well. But it's it's interesting for Newcastle because I think that's where they went wrong. No player to break down Liverpool. Even before the season started, we said that ideal midfield would be Bruno, an actual six, and a playmaker. Yet they watched Madison go to Spurs for, for a very decent fee. So um yeah, like Newcastle, yeah, they they shot themselves in the foot in the transfer market, honest opinion. They've made signings to consolidate their position. But as you know, in the Premier League, just consolidating is not good enough in the long run because you might end up regressing in that process. So in terms of the flow of the game, as you as you probably know, um, yeah, Newcastle started well. You guys got the record, but there seemed to be a low in the game when um after the record, Newcastle got some chances, but they couldn't really do much with it. But then the second half came whereby uh, where the second half was if I was a Liverpool fan, second half was a great great spectacle as a Liverpool fan because honestly you guys 
literally played Newcastle like, like a fiddle. Newcastle didn't want to do. You guys dropped deep. You started slowing the game down. Your passing was more assured. Newcastle didn't know what to do. Obviously, they had some chances in transition. Um, the, Al the Almirian shot and the save from Alec. Almirian hit a post in the second half. That, that was a good. That game. was a very good one. Barnes came on. That was a very yeah. good one from him. I can't lie. Okay, right, Barnes came on. Had a chance to kill off the game by playing Wilson in, but as you know, Barnes is very inconsistent with his final ball, and he messed up a chance. And, from, and literally a minute later. Just played a long ball in behind for Nunes. Nunes finished it perfectly. Great finish. I love those type of finishes. Over the top, one touch, two touch, bang. Like that's like real driller shit. Like yeah, yeah. no, no messing about. And that's what you want from your striker. But bro, I, what you said about how we played in the second half, I love that performance. Like that's a typical away smash and grab performance. That's what you want to do with ten men away from home if you want to win the game. Right. Sit deep and hope for the best. How you guys play the second half here is how. Any other team should play Newcastle. Unless we're City. Only City here can play a high line and suffocate Newcastle. Everyone else here, be humble, reduce the spacing behind, and just slow the game down. And Newcastle will play right into your hands. And we were able to slow the game down because I think, like, in the first half, they didn't really get on the ball. But Endo, McAllister, and Slobosly, they're a lot like the technical security with them is a lot better than what we're used to. So we can actually play in the middle. And I play those little triangles, put out wide, spread it, let the team go from right to left. And that really helped. But the thing is, we need another midfielder there because, yes, when we brought on Elliot, what Sobos line to the middle, I think we need a better player to bring on ahead of Elliot or starting and Endos on the bench because that will improve us. Because bro, like you guys need a six that's in the playmaker mode, but also physical. That would be perfect. Um, we have to get that player ASAP because the reason why I think that is because, bro, a win like this, if if we, it was the Liverpool of old, a win like this, this is a win that like gases players to go on like a mad run. But we don't, yeah. have, we don't have that team yet. And it's a bit sad because, yes, we can compete with the best teams around the Premier League, but that doesn't win you leagues. Yeah, and your, your squad is still incomplete. I'm not saying that we're two players away from winning the league. No chance, because City are still fantastic. But I think we need those players to actually sustain a title challenge, then fall off. Because that will guarantee top four, like you always say. And that's what yeah. we're here for. Yeah. Also, I want to give a special chance to them. Quanza, who came on. I was quite impressed with the kid. Yeah, to be fair, Klopp shouted him out. I was, I was feeling because it was reminiscent of when he said, like, with those eight midfielder. Quote, but nah, I can't lie, he was solid. And obviously, yeah, like a couple moments here, Wilson got in front of him, but that comes with experience. You get me, but exactly. overall, he was unfazed by the atmosphere, yeah, and the occasion, yeah, that's, because like that is a very weird game state to come into, yeah, so, one 0 down, one 0 down, 10 men away from home, St. James's Park, playing defense. That is very hard, and he handled it well, didn't concede a goal, but. The one thing I'm very happy about and it's been the one area Liverpool have actually gone right is our forwards. We actually have competition for places. You remember we used to have the front three and then we used to drop to D-Rock Origi and we always used to say we need to bridge that gap. But now we have a clear number one, Mo Salah, who has to start but everyone is fighting for their place. You saw Diaz yeah. have to come off for the red card. Gakpo was okay but with the 10 men it's harder for him to do his thing. Yeah, yeah. Diogo Jota comes on, a threat. Darwin Nunes comes on, two goals. And you saw what Jurgen Klopp says, he's not happy to sit on the bench. So when these players come on, they're hungry. And this is like, this is why, what 
will might push us into the top four because I don't think any of our competitors have that. No, you guys have firepower. That's what you have. Also, Anfield is a fortress. And half the job is done with top four year when you're great at home and you clap goals. You saw what United did last year. They were great. Yeah. And also, I'm sure you guys away from will improve anyway because... We've been to Stamford Bridge and St. James's Park and won four points. Yeah, because at the end of the day, uh, to get top four, win 13 to 15 home games and win as, as at least 10 away games in your comfy. Yeah, yeah, in your comfy. And you guys will get the 13 to 15 wins at home. Even 15, because that, that, that seems to be your default. Yeah, even last year when we weren't even that great, our way record was worse than our fountains at some point. We Our home record... Just to win in quality. Yeah, it was on par with UNC. So, look, let's let's see. It's, it's only game week three. I say about everything. It's only game week three. We have Villa next week. It's going to be a tough game again. Oh, yeah, because need... they'll sit deep and try to hit on the counter. And, and Diaby's looking dangerous. He's looking dangerous. But the thing is, Villa can keep the ball. And we are not one issue. Yes, amazing win. Absolutely. Gas, Saudi hype. We still can't control games. And yeah. Like you said, if you can't control a game, it'll always be end-to-end. And that's all we need to stop. Because if teams have chances, that's how you lose games. Because yeah, that- The Premier League, the quality is so high. Like, mid-table clubs, you've got, got shooters up top. <laughs> just, yeah. just like the old days. No, but I feel like I'll say Villa upper mid-table. Then, like, the... Then right, when I say mid-table, it includes the upper, the upper mid-table and the, and the guys at Palace. Like, everyone has a decent amount of shooters spread around the league for Just like the old days. Nah, nah, that's that's true. That's true. But now nah, it's it's gonna be a good game, man. Like Villa have also started this season while well. they're playing some good stuff. Like it's gonna be high scoring though, because they also have some pansies at the back from How Torres low. Yeah, we... I'll start Nunes next week. Next week, just to no, this this weekend, just to get at How Torres. Just put Nunes on Torres, bro. Whatever gets us a W, whatever's get us firing and scoring, I'll I'll take it, bro. I'll take it. Like. Seven win, seven points from three games, same as Arsenal. Title challenging Arsenal. So like, literally, let's let's see what we can do. Yeah, basically, um, the table doesn't settle at all after the game week ten anyway. So there'll be a lot of weird shit happening. Yeah, of course. West Ham were top for for a bit. What for a few, few hours. Like the top six, top seven will fill out itself. The bare bones or the foundations come game week ten. Yeah, yeah, you can see the teams who are serious and then. I know we look at the table properly, like game week nineteen. That's when, like, I'm actually like analyzing points and all that stuff. But game week ten, you can see like who's who's serious, who's starting late. But I think there's gonna be a lot of moving around. I don't think the quality gap between who came through last year, Manchester United, to Spurs is that big personally. And Spurs are even looking outside of the team that finished top two last year. They're probably looking the best team best of the rest in terms of the way they play and control. Yeah, they're playing well. They're creating chances, but Richarlison, man. Like, Maslow oh, and Antonio is yeah. a dunk. Richard. Like, he ain't serious, bro. Like, that's bad, yeah. Antonio was talking his shit, then he's clapped two top goals back to back. Yeah. Nah, I can't, oh. I can't lie. I can't lie. Antonio came on good. And Richarlison, like, Richarlison is holding... I wouldn't say he's holding Spurs back, but Spurs need to get a better player to play that position. The downgrade. Yeah, but Spurs yeah. are serious about Brendan Johnson, so maybe Brendan Johnson comes in and plays wing, and you can move Son up top. I'm sure Son will, will do better in those situations than Richarlison anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's it. Provides them with options. 
at least it provides them with options. But bro, Spurs midfield out of nowhere just looks one of the best in the Premier. Oh, when you say last season, Conte is a terrorist because be I'm right last season, yeah. You've been banned from. I came on late. I can't take credit for that. You were. Banned. I don't, remember last season I said all this. Oh, I need this. I need that. He had he had options in midfield. Remember I said Pape Matessa. Why is Conte not using him? Hoiberg is stinking up here and making this young dynamic kid sit on the bench. Even in London Derby last season, he was okay, but he got hooked at half time. And then you you saw that he was clearly holding Basuma back, and they just added Madison and even Odogie. I'm pretty sure he sent him out on loan. So like, sent him out on loan. But you can see him; he's good as a traditional fullback. He's good as an inverted fullback. Like, bro, like. Spurs have started this season well. I was impressed with what they're doing, and and this is and this is why I was asking about Ten Hag. Deserbi and Ange have their teams playing the way they want without as much backing as Ten Hag. So look, it's 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 food for thought in my opinion. United fans, tell me what you think about Ten Hag. Tell me if you think it can get better. If not, who you'd want to replace him? And it's great. I think it'll be crazy if they'd want him out now. But that's just a season and a bit. Only last lasted longer and was way worse. Now I think what's really doing United fans is the talent ID. Because if we're signing the right players, yeah, you're now in a better position. Because I I don't know what's up with Ten Hag fans. Like he, I don't know because he didn't sign in anyone to upgrade on Luke Shaw. They renewed Dalo. They renewed. They're going to renew Wan-Bissaka. They have not upgraded on Varane. Martinez at, at centre back. United fans will say that like, he's great, but is it really optimal for a big side? They, they say they, they, they're mid two thousands anymore. Running, running up, running, running, running up with um short centre backs. And also midfield, Casemiro was last season. I think Casemiro was a short sighted signing, and now it's come to pass. I remember last season that two hundred million spent year was short, very short sighted. He picked results of a process. He panicked after after the Brentford game, and now. He's reaping the reward. Uh, he's reaping. He, he's throwing, basically he's reaping what he sold from. Short termism last season has cooperated him. I think he's reaping what he sold, but I think the biggest issue is ten. It seems like Ten Hag doesn't like going out of his comfort zone. Every player that his side has either played in the league that he worked in or he's coached them, and even or part or part of the agency he belongs to. And and a third, and you can see with some of the players that they were linked with, Arnautovic, he's called Arnautovic before, Anthony, he's coached him before, Martinez, he's coached him before, Onana, he's coached him before, De Jong, he's coached him before. So, his talent ID is poor, and he doesn't come out of his comfort zone. Like you said, him not wanting to work with Ragnik, not because it's Ralph Ragnik, because you have somebody whose sole job is to scout players for your system. So, you don't have to just be players that you worked with, you just know that if you do the right coaching, these players can do well for your system. And the signing has been so scattergunned. At the start, he wants Frankie de Jong, then he goes to Casemiro. In terms of profiles, are completely different. But if you want Frankie de Jong, you want your midfield to play a certain type of way. So why is Mason Mountain, Bruno Fernandes in your midfield? It's just a weird way of squad yeah, building. Like Mount, Mount and Bruno are, are practically the same player. Final five players. It's just that Bruno is better than Mount. It has more quality. Basically, same type of player. Because because um, um had a chance here to really push for this team by getting an actual playmaker. Yeah, he's he's had this he's had what three transfer windows. He's in he's spent a lot of money, and this is how his squad looks. Look, 
let's let's see what happens. Wow. He did say he wants to be the best transition team in the world, so maybe that, that's his prerogative. Let's nah, let's see, let's see. But bro, it seems like we're gonna have to be speaking about this guy. We might have to have a whole other segment for this league because bro, Jude Bellingham again. Yeah, him and Vinicius are the only thing keeping the league relevant right now. Not gonna lie. No, hundred hundred percent because boss are they're, they're dying down a little bit for the global fan base. But bro, three games, you're getting end products for Real Madrid. I said this to my boy the other day. I feel like Jude Bellingham in terms of superstar power is probably what David Beckham was to us. Jude Bellingham is for the younger generation because but one. Yeah, because- like he's never to Justin Romero and and they love him already. Exactly. Obviously, like this needs to continue. It's only three games in, but if this continues, bro, like he's doing some wild, wild stuff at the minute. Like I didn't expect it to be this quick. I knew he'd be good, but I didn't expect it to be this quick. Because even Tremeni took him some time to bed in. Camavinga took him some time to bed in. Even Valverde took him some time to bed in. But Jude Bellingham. He's living up to his price tag and he's living up to his hype. So I have to, I have to, I have to give him props for that. I'm not going to lie. This has been another episode of Useful Football.